Hello and welcome to Career Stories, where we talk about life after business school. My name is Cindy Hosey. I am an executive coach with Graduate Career Services at Indiana University's Kelly School of Business. Here at GCS, we are passionate about coaching young professionals to launch meaningful, rewarding careers. Our guest today is Craig Douglas. Craig earned both his undergraduate and graduate degrees from the Kelly School of Business. He completed his master's degree in information systems with a concentration in business intelligence and analytics in 2017. After graduation, Craig began working for General Motors as a business intelligence analyst, and he is passionate about using data to drive business outcomes. Craig, I am just so grateful that you are giving me some of your time to talk a little bit about your experience in the MSIS program and how your career has progressed since leaving Bloomington. And actually, you are one of the main reasons that I even started doing this podcast because I remember seeing you on campus just a couple of weeks ago and kind of floating the idea past you and you said yes. And so you're my very first guest and I'm, I'm grateful for you prompting me along here. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. I, uh, I hope that my year and a half at GM and my year in MSIS can help some of your current students today. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your MSIS journey. What made you even choose to do the MSIS program? So it was, it was a combination of things. I definitely wanted to be able to contribute to technology a lot more. So I was always really interested in how future technologies were going to affect the world, artificial intelligence, cryptocurrencies, things like that. But then when I graduated from Kelly with just an economics and entrepreneurship degree, and I'm looking around at jobs, I kind of realized that I didn't have a lot to bring to the table in those fields. I felt like I needed to get more of an education in technology. And the MSIS program was a really good way for someone like me without a super technical background, nor a desire to be a pure software developer to end up being able to contribute to something that is a little bit more technologically advanced than I would have before. The other thing that I definitely had going on was that I I felt like I wasn't necessarily completely ready to go out into the workforce. And so I, I feel like an extra year at IU was good for me as well. But I think the first reason is the primary one. Yeah. So what do you think are some of those extra skills that you picked up while in MSIS that helped you be prepared? Right now, my job is a decent amount of interacting with Hadoop and other big data systems, Mm -hmm. especially by writing SQL and Hive query language, which I had not heard of any of those things nor interacted with any of those things before going to the MSIS program. So that's, that's a big one right there. Mm-hmm. Um, as a Kelly undergrad, you don't, you don't get any of that. And I know a lot of people come from biology or wherever have the exact same story. So that, that was big for me, as well as just kind of knowing the lingo of when my work is talking about transitioning to a private cloud, understanding what that means and not having to ask around and be the one person who doesn't understand what that means. I think that there are a lot of things along those lines that are important too. Yeah. So do you feel like it really helped you hit the ground running once just on day one at GM? Yeah, I I think there was still a little bit of people who'd been there for a year knew their way around a lot better and, you know, they had the software calibrated right and all that kind of stuff. But absolutely, I mean, I was ready to do my job 
you know, to its full extent within a month or two. Whereas had I not had the MSIS program, I would have been just kind of searching around for six months and not really still understood it. How did you choose your concentration when you started MSIS? Well, I had an economics degree and I chose the business analytics and business intelligence. Uh Uh, We had done a little bit of business analytics type concepts in my economics classes and I really enjoyed that. And I felt that that might be kind of a good way for me to merge what I liked in undergrad and what I was good at with a more technological focus. Did you ever get cold feet? About MSIS? No, about your concentration. Because there's so many possibilities. Did you ever feel like, ooh, I might miss out if I just choose that instead of the other? I think I know I chose the right one. I definitely would be interested in knowing more about cybersecurity. I, I think that the choice for me was, was pretty clear. Um, I never had too much of an interest in ERP systems. And uh, even though some of my best friends did, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah, I, I don't think I ever did get cold feet. I know that a lot of other people struggle with that decision, but that was something that to me, as soon as I heard them, it was pretty clear for me. Yeah. Which doesn't always happen. <laughs> right, right. So tell me a little bit about your job search journey. How did you end up at GM? So it actually started the summer before MSIS when you asked us to reach out to people from the year before me. And I reached out to Peter Buschbacher, who was working in Austin for General Motors. I remember at the time, I really didn't want to live in uh, Chicago or Indianapolis. Kind of wanted to get out of the cold or to one of the slightly more west or west coast cities Mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, maybe have a little bit of better weather. So I kind of looked down that list. I saw Austin, Texas. I called Peter. I asked him, what that was all about. And he and I had a good conversation and he kind of kept me in the loop on when GM was uh, recruiting on campus. I also applied to a couple consulting firms like KPMG, Infosys. And then I, I actually even had an offer from a small serial company in Bloomington to come be their COO, but that Mm. was a very different um, career. (laughs) That was not through the graduate career services. I talked uh, with with a former MSIS alum at a career fair. I went to GM's information session. I applied online and I went to an interview and now I'm there. Was it hard for you to choose between consulting or corporate? I think that For me personally, it wasn't too bad. And I'm going to sound like someone who's super decisive here because the two questions you've asked me about deciding were not very hard for me, although I'm not the most decisive person. But that's okay. It's helpful to see it from all different perspectives. So yeah, yeah. your insight. So I had had an internship my junior year with a financial firm where, you know, I worked nine hour days with a one hour lunch break and I had a 40 minute commute both ways. And that really, really drained me. And then I had a couple friends who had gone into consulting, you know, maybe they were a year older than me. So by the time I was in MSIS, they had been doing it for a year. I felt like the, the friends that were in consulting definitely had a much more demanding uh, lifestyle. So beyond you know, sometimes longer hours. There's also just the fact that you're traveling all the time. I really liked the idea of, I have my apartment that's three minutes away from work. 
I get in my car and I drive three minutes, I'm at work. And then when that's done, I'm home and it's over. Um, And I felt like corporate provided that a little bit more. I love how hints of your values are popping up where location mattered to you and you were imagining what you wanted your life outside of work to look like. And I really honor that balance between what you do at work and what you want to have time to do outside of work. Yeah, I think I think it's important to think about all that stuff really critically in the fall or spring or whenever MSIS uh, students are applying because it's really easy to take a job that's just kind of an abstract concept and, oh, the company, okay, it's consulting and, or, you know, they make cars or whatever and I'll just go in and I'll, I'll make the software for cars. But you got to think about much more of the package of what that entails. Sometimes you got to try it to know whether or not it fits. It certainly helps if you can know some things that are true for you before you start saying yes to career opportunities that aren't going to be aligned with the life you want to live. So tell me a little bit about what the onboarding process looked like for you at GM. So uh, I showed up day one. I actually just wrote an email to uh, an incoming new hire that I described this exact thing. So this is fresh in my mind. I showed up day one. Uh, there were 12 of us that were all in the same boat, never, you know, straight out of college, never worked a real day in our lives. And we went in a, a room for three hours and we learned about the company and then a little bit about things like 401k, healthcare, all that. Right. Um, we met our bosses over lunch and then they took us, our bosses took us back to our desks for the first four weeks or so. We had kind of intermittent classes, sometimes in the morning, sometimes in the afternoon, sometimes all day. Um, and the rest of our time, we were getting acquainted with what our team does, our boss's expectations and all that kind of stuff. I think the first couple months were pretty casual where um, my boss kind of made up a side project for me and some other guy to work on that didn't really have any business value, but it you know, kind of got me up to speed and showed me what a project would look like. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after about two months of the training and that ramp up project, my boss kind of ease me into one of our easier projects in a kind of limited capacity. And, you know, I've just been getting more and more involved ever since. Mm, what do you like most about your work? About my job or my work? Oh, I'm curious how you differentiate the two. To me, my work is what is like the actual sequel I'm, you know, tapping away or the, like the, the task when I'm on. Yeah. yeah, the task. Whereas I, I think of my job a little more holistically, like the interaction with team members. Uh, we, you know, even have some ping pong and foosball tables in the office, which that'd be kind of unfair if I said that was my favorite part. Uh, <laughs> like recess in school is your favorite. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's my favorite subject. Yeah. Um, but I think that it, it sounded kind of cliche when I had some older friends say this before I started working, but it is really nice interacting with the people that I get to work with. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't particularly, you know, think that the people in the North Austin General Motors office are of a special breed, nor am I, but it is kind of nice, you know, working through a complex problem with 25 year old peer and making jokes along the way and having fun during during something that may be a mundane task if you were tapping away by yourself. Yeah. What is it about the actual tasks that you like? You mentioned you're doing some, it sounded really technological to me what you were doing. 
Yeah, so SQL is a programming language. It almost hurts to say that, but uh, <laughs> it's much more like English. Like, and I, I thought it was so hard when I was first introduced to it. But once you know, I started writing it for a week or two as my job full time, I realized it's not that hard. It's just kind of like talking. So, well, I, I won't go too deep into what SQL is, but it's much more conversational than some of the other languages. Yeah. So I think that's been easy for me. Do you like the level of technology that you're working with now? It's not too much or too little? Yeah, I would say that it's definitely in a good place for me. I think that when I started my role, I was a little skeptical that it would be kind of too much for me. And, you know, I definitely had a, a good attitude about that. And that's served me well. But I think that it is the right level. I, I don't think that I'm going to be creating Java applications or something much more advanced than what I do right now. But I can handle SQL pretty well. And I think that it's technical enough that I'm still, I, you know, I still sound like I'm doing things that are very technical, but as I'm working along um, on a daily basis, I don't feel like I'm solving like super hard computer challenges, which is where I want to be. Yeah. I saw you just a few weeks ago here on campus. How does it feel being on the other side of the table? It feels amazing. <laughs> yeah. Because, well, I mean, it, it is, it's really cool because my whole life I've been on the other side of those tables a hundred times. And so then the one time that I need, get to be on the recruiting side, it's, it's a completely different process. And I, I don't feel like there's any pressure on me. Whereas every other time, you know, it was this internal dialogue of like, you know, put your best foot forward. Don't say something stupid. Whereas, you know, when you're the recruiter, you just don't have that pressure on you. Obviously, you know, you still have to be plenty professional and all that, but I just don't, I didn't feel like someone was judging me the same way that I felt when I was a student. But then it was kind of funny because when I'm on the other side, I'm not really judging the kids as a quarter as hard as I thought all these people were judging me. <laughs> so yeah. I, I think I did a good job of, since I had recently graduated, I did a good job of kind of, you know, calming the kids down. I was the person that they interacted with uh, before going back to the actual interview and just mm -hmm. being like, hey, I was in your shoes less than two years ago. You're going to do fine. Tom, who's going to be interviewing you, is a really nice guy. He's not, he's not here to trip you up. We just want to meet you and learn what you're about. And there were definitely some kids that I helped set at ease that I could tell were really super nervous. And then they ended up being some of our best candidates. What made those best candidates stand out, in your opinion? So there were, there were a couple different ways that people really stood out. One kid really stood out because of his involvement. He was the president of a club that definitely added some value. It wasn't just like a random club. And one thing that we kind of saw was not only the initiative where he took this club that was dead and restarted it and became the president as a junior, but... He also, you know, then has a lot of connections that we might be able to leverage for recruiting in the future if he ends up coming to work for us. That's interesting. Uh, yeah. And so I wasn't the one who thought of it from that perspective, mm -hmm. uh, but the director that I was down on campus working with kind of laid that case out. And, you know, he said he was a great student, smart guy to talk to, but then there's also this huge bonus that, you know, if he comes to work for GM, might help us get even more good employees. It's like a halo. Yeah, yeah. So that was one thing, involvement. There was another person who just seemed incredibly prepared. She 
she showed up 30 minutes early, even though we asked people to show up 15 minutes early. Um, no one else the rest of the day showed up more than 20 minutes early. When I asked her the question of, why do you want to work for General Motors? Her first response was, I have three things. Whereas most people were like, um, well, uh, I like cars. <laughs> but then she starts naming off specific programs that GM does that I didn't even know existed. I looked them up after her homework, right? Yeah, she knew more about my company than I did. And, you know, it was just beyond that, just very good conversationally and, and all that. That was, that was very impressive. And I could tell that she would be a very diligent employee based on her diligence in terms of preparing for the interview. Did you look at any of the candidates like, oh, if they were on my team, I think I would enjoy working with them. I think they could pull their weight we'd get stuff done. Yeah, I think, I think that I, I did that in, in hindsight a little bit, but I didn't necessarily at the time. I didn't quite necessarily think of them as from my team, but more as if I put them somewhere in our organization, they would interact well. And yeah, that, that definitely is a boost if it feels like somebody that you would want to work on a project with, uh, you're going to be a heck of a lot more likely to get hired. Mm-hmm. So if you could give any advice to students who are in the program now, what would it be? I want to think about that one so I get a good answer. Bippin may not love this answer, but I would say focus on learning skills a little bit more than focusing on grades. I think, and this is not to say get bad grades, but I think that when you're in college, it's really easy to to think about, you know, am I going to get a, a 3.83 or a 3.81 or, you know, those kind of minor tweaks here and there. And, and while those do matter sometimes, I think that at the end of the day, you know, we had some candidates with 3.99s that we didn't hire. Um, and we had some candidates with 3.2s that we did. And what really separated them were their demonstrated proficiency in different skills, as well as you know, their ability to interact with the recruiters and convince them that they would succeed in our environment. So that's not me saying don't worry about getting good grades, but I think that when I was in school, my singular focus was on getting good grades. And I was thinking, you know, how can I get this SQL assignment done such that I get a good grade rather than how can I learn SQL and also get a good grade on this assignment? Yeah, if there's something happens with our education system where that that shift happens where we start working for the grade instead of for the learning and i totally agree with you because the grade just is a proxy for what you're learning and sometimes we play games and we can game the system and get a better grade than what we actually learn but in the long run that's not what's going to serve you yeah and uh, you know for for sql as the example i think i got a very good grade in one of the classes that um, involved SQL, um, but I got a lot of help from other people along the way, and it was kind of a group, and it was a group setting. Mm-hmm. So when I was one of the slower people to get the problems, and one of the faster people knew the answer, I was just like, oh, "Okay, well, cool. They've they've got that one taken care of," and I wouldn't learn that particular concept as well. And you know, when I showed up to work day one, my boss didn't go over my transcript and say, "Oh, you got an A in this class. Cool." he was curious how well I could write SQL, not what my grade was in a class that taught it. So still try to get A's, but you know, 
I think that there are people that get B pluses that learn more than the people who get A's. And uh, I think that if, if you can try to maximize your learning rather than game your grades, that's going to help you more at your job. Thank you. So what do you miss most about Bloomington? I definitely miss farm and uptown cafe. Um, I think, I think the thing I miss most though is just being somewhere and knowing that I would know 10 people when I come down into Austin, you know, I I've made plenty of friends at work and a lot of them are around my age. And I think I've, I've done better in that respect than I expected to, but college is such a bubble. And especially as a kid who went to high school in Indiana and I think had 200 kids from my graduating class come to IU. Wow. Yeah. It was definitely, uh, way easier to, you know, find something to do or when, you know, I was at Kilroy's or whatever, running into my high school prom date or, you know, little stuff like that. That's not going to happen randomly in Texas. Yeah. There is something special about Bloomington. Yeah. I also, this is kind of a bonus answer, but one thing that I also miss about the MSIS program is there being 150 people Um, or however many there are today that I felt like come spring semester, I knew pretty well. Mm -hmm. And we all had kind of shared the difficult common experience of the fall semester. I think that there's something about that, that bond that's a little bit special and kind of hard to replicate when you're not in a stressful environment like that. So if some of the current students were to reach out to you, what would make you say, yes, I want to talk to you? So one, one thing that I thought about recently, I actually had a student that I met who wasn't a candidate, but I just met her kind of passing by our table when I was down recruiting a week ago, was I, I gave her my email and told her to reach out. And when she reached out, she said she wanted uh, an informational interview. But the way that it made it sound to me, or at least as someone who had interviewed people recently, mm-hmm. uh, it seemed like she was asking for an interview for General Motors um, rather than asking me about my job. Yeah, it sounds a lot more formal, huh? Yeah, so I think, you know, saying something like, Cindy Hosey said you might be a good person to talk to and, you know, dropping a name that's a common connection is definitely going to catch my eye. Or I heard you on the MSIS podcast. I'd love to talk with you more about your job and get some advice. That Yeah, Cindy Ozzy's MSIS podcast. <laughs> um, I think, I think in, in LinkedIn, and you and I were talking about this down in Bloomington, mm-hmm. if one of the first things that, that I see is a common name or you know, a reason that you're contacting me beyond just, hey, you have a job in technology and I want a job in technology. I think that that in my head just makes a little bit more sense why I'm being contacted and makes me more likely to hit yes. Because I get, I get probably 10 LinkedIn requests a week and most of them are from people I don't know. Mm-hmm. And so if you're able to, in that little bit of space that you get, explain, hey, I know someone that you know, I think that would make me more likely to uh, accept that request. Yeah. And then I'm thinking too, it's often hard to then, you have a great first conversation with a student. What would a follow-up conversation look like for you? 
I don't know if I've had a follow-up conversation, but I think that the ideal one would look like, hey, you and I talked last time, you know, you had some advice or we talked about this concept and now something has changed in my life. So for example, if I was talking to someone who was a junior Mm -hmm. and I said, you know, go out and do the MSIS program. And then they apply for the MSIS program and they get in as a senior, you know, that's something that has changed. And they are now asking my advice for, you know, how to succeed in the MSIS program. I think that if some sort of circumstance changed, that... And it's almost a, hey, I followed your advice and it worked and I would love to have some more, please. Yeah, exactly. That that one makes a lot of logical sense to me. And I, that's not to say that, you know, if someone reaches out to me, um, just like the uh, the nice sophomore that I talked to just a couple days ago, mm-hmm. um, you know, if they ask for a second conversation, I'm not going to say no. But I think that it would make a lot more sense if um, there's some sort of circumstance that changed and my input would be valuable in that circumstance. So whether it's an offer, new educational pathway, um, or just, you know, you now have the skills to maybe be more valuable to General Motors. Mm -hmm. um, Those kind of reasons make more sense to me. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be huge. It could be just a small thing. Hey, I'm thinking this class or this class, what are your thoughts? Um, We have candidates who we hire in the fall that then reach out to us in the spring and say, hey, you know, is there an eight-week class that I could take that's going to make me more successful on my arrival to General Motors? And that that always makes sense when we get that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to honor your time today. And I I just want to ask if there's anything else you wanted to add to the conversation before we close this podcast for today. Yeah. And you and I kind of talked about this uh, when I was in Bloomington, but the one thing that has been really important for me um, is advocating for yourself, you know, before and after you get to your job. So I personally have have benefited from this greatly. So my my first day at GM, I was placed on a team that was way too technical for me and was not something I would be good at nor interested in. But during the recruiting process, someone promised me that I would be on an analytics team and I was not on an analytics team. And I spoke up day two. I had a meeting with an HR representative. Um, and by the end of the week, they had me move to the current team um, that I've been on you know, for the last year and a half. And it's been pretty great since. But had I not spoken up and had I not said something, I wouldn't be where I am now. And I'm also potentially looking to make a similar transition Mm -hmm. um, in the next year or so. And I've had a few opportunities to speak up for myself and make sure that's clear. And I think that because I did so, I'm going to be way more likely to get that rather than just kind of sitting back and waiting for the right time. I think that uh, the right time is usually a lot closer to now than you think. Yes. It's my opinion that employers are usually happy to try to ensure that their top performers also enjoy the work they're doing and are advancing at a pace that keeps them engaged. Yeah, I I definitely felt in the the second day when I met with that HR representative that, you know, she wanted to make wanted to make me happier. She wasn't just kind of like, eh, well, all right, I guess I have to like 
pretend like I've made an effort or something. I mean, she seemed to be like, oh, wow, I'm sorry that, you know, we misplaced you. I'm going to look around. I'll see if there's anything I can do. And that conversation was way less intimidating to actually have than I thought it was going to be the night before. I think if you can treat HR as your ally, then, then it makes it a lot easier to have those kind of conversations. Yeah. And I think the, the thing that helped me uh, you know, feel a little more secure in doing all that was I had a good relationship with an MSIS alum who was a year older than me um, and had been at the company for a year. Mm-hmm. He kind of directed me, hey, they misplaced you. You need to get that taken care of now so you're not on that team. Um, so if you can, you know, have some allies that are above you or just have a little more experience navigating, that's only going to serve you well. The networking never ends, does it? No, I thought it would end once I had a job, but (laughs) um, you're always doing it within the company to get promoted, to go to a different team, or even just knowing the right people to help you when you have a particular problem. I have friends who come to me all the time because I'm the only person that they know um, in our data warehouse. And then I point them to the person they're actually looking for. Um, (laughs) Yeah, the networking never ends. You're definitely right. Craig, thank you for your willingness to to talk with me today and to continue to network with students who are a couple years behind you in their career progression. I look forward to seeing you the next time you're on campus recruiting with GM. Yeah, I hope to be back soon. All Any of your students are welcome to reach out to me. I'm happy to help. All right. Thank you, Craig. As we close today's podcast, I wanted to call attention to how Craig leveraged relationships with MSIS alumni before, during, and after his time in the program. Networking is an important aspect of career exploration and advancement. It's vital to learn how to build those relationships well. If you'd like to get in touch with Craig, reach out to him on LinkedIn and tell him that you heard him on the podcast. To learn more about graduate career services at the Kelly School of Business, email gcshelp at indiana.edu. I'm Cindy Hosey. Thanks for listening to Career Stories.